So Richard, we're going to go through some of the questions that listeners have sent in in response to our last conversation on the lockdown sceptic literature, and in particular Toby Green's book, The Covid Consensus. But before we do, I thought it might be good to touch upon the release by conservative journalist Isabel Oakeshott of this trove of WhatsApp messages of former Health Secretary Matt Hancock dating from the height of the pandemic. The material consists of more than 100,000 WhatsApp messages sent between Hancock and various other ministers and officials and was obtained by Oakeshott from Hancock when she was ghostwriting his book, The Pandemic Diaries, The Inside Story of Britain's Battle Against Covid. Amongst other revelations, the messages include an exchange from April 2020, in which Hancock responds to recommendations from the chief medical officer, Chris Whitty, that anyone going into a care home should be tested for COVID. Hancock told an aide that this approach muddied the waters and instead opted to test only those coming from hospital, uh, all the while publicly claiming to have thrown this uh, protective ring around care homes. Now, Isabel Oakeshott is firmly in the lockdown sceptic camp and she clearly regards the leaks as vindication of her position. And many people, including some of the left lockdown sceptics that we've discussed, such as Thomas Fancy, also see the leaks as buttressing their arguments. For instance, in an article for Unheard on these leaks, uh, Fancy writes, The story exemplifies everything that was wrong in the all-of-society lockdown approach. We were told that it was a test of solidarity, that it was the only way to save lives and protect the most vulnerable. As it turns out, it was the exact opposite of that. While the government was busy keeping healthy people from leaving their homes and forcing them to get tested on a regular basis, it was all but abandoning those it should have protected, the elderly. And this despite the government knowing full well that COVID was almost exclusively a serious threat for elderly people and those with underlying health conditions. In other words, a huge number of COVID deaths, particularly in the first wave, weren't caused by the virus itself and certainly weren't caused by the decision not to lock down sooner. They were in fact caused by the decision to abandon the kind of focused protection of at-risk groups championed by all pre-2020 pandemic plans in favour of a completely untried and untested model. So do you think that Oakeshott, Fatsi and others are right to feel vindicated? And was the targeted approach that Fatsi advocates there possible in March 2020 when Britain first went into lockdown? Oh my God, no. Um, this doesn't even begin to amount to an argument. And first of all, let me just, for all this talk of, uh, you know, trampling on uh, civil and democratic rights, let's just remember what actually happened. Most of us were not kept from leaving our homes. I left my home every day, went out for walks, went to the shops, went to the chemist, went to meet friends in the park. Um, that was the normal experience of most people in this country, um, unless you were particularly vulnerable. This wasn't Hubei, it wasn't even Rome. Most of us weren't forced to get tested on a regular basis. In fact, if you remember, uh, Alex, the problem initially was that there was a scarcity of testing because of government ineptitude, uh, not that we were being forced into it. Eventually, free testing was made on a twice-weekly basis on the NHS, um, and the logic of that was to speed up the reopening of society. So if you take an anti-lockdown approach, I don't know why you would complain about healthy people being tested. If you're testing properly, most of those you test will be healthy, right? This uh, complaint uh, is utterly incoherent, unless your idea is essentially we don't want social distancing, we don't want lockdown, we don't want testing, we don't want anything. Complete social Darwinism. As regards care homes, it didn't take Oakshot and Fatsy to tell us that care homes were utterly neglected by the government in 2020. This has been yeah, this a was widely... common knowledge. Absolutely. And the only new information that's been added here is that it was specifically Matt Hancock and not someone else who screwed up over testing. 
Um, first of all, I mean, just want, want to be clear about this. The absence of testing was certainly not the main cause of mass deaths in care homes, as is being implied here. I would point out that the very high level of deaths in care homes is across the board. A BMJ study quite recent uh, of about 25 countries found that despite the care home population making up less than 1% of the total population of those countries, they accounted for 30% of deaths. So that disproportion is everywhere. And when you look at what they found the problem was, well, it's what you'd expect. It's crowding. It's understaffing. It's under-resourcing. We didn't need Matt Hancock's WhatsApp messages to tell us about this. It's been a chronic problem for years. In fact, we already knew about two years ago that people were being sent back to those crowded, understaffed and under-resourced care homes to make space in the hospitals, obviously for people who would need ICU beds because they would be sick with COVID, because the NHS is also underfunded and under-resourced and overcrowded uh, without being tested. This has been reported long ago. It doesn't at all affect the calculus of lockdown, is that... Um, social distancing, working from home, closing all but key businesses, restricting mass gatherings. Without all that, the disease would have spread a hell of a lot faster and farther than it did, and the spikes would have been a lot more intense and fatal. This is just one of those examples of a non-argument being contrived from what is, frankly, in this sense, a rather thin revelation. And so you give no credence to the idea that there could have been this very targeted approach, which would have involved a lot of testing and would have been a quite intensive form of intervention, but only regarding the population that Fancy and others describe as, you know, only being the people who were really at risk. Uh, I would be open to uh, being shown that that was possible. Uh, I don't think it was possible in the UK. I would be open to being shown that it would work basically almost as well as lockdowns, and uh, then I would think that there was an argument there, but I haven't seen it thus far. I think what the problem is that most of the lockdown sceptic literature doesn't even rise to that level of argument. So I'm not saying that that is a completely um, beyond-the-pale kind of claim, but I would need to see it, so document it, show me how that would work, show me uh, what the evidence is on that. Mm. Um, and I suppose, I, I, specifically, you would want to see how that would work in March 2020, right? Specifically, March 2020 in the UK, right? A, a place that was poorly prepared for the pandemic. 100%. We talked about this in the last segment. So I think Sweden was in a much better place to implement this than the UK was. Sweden did implement a version of this, although it's sometimes understated uh, the extent of their various biopolitical, non-pharmaceutical interventions, but uh, didn't go too well, uh, frankly. Um, it's not a great example. Mind you, to be honest with you, I mean, there's very few good examples out there. Uh, you know, even the countries that did lockdown, lockdown, generally speaking, was an admission of the failure of their systems and a last resort. And this is kind of what I find frustrating about the lockdown sceptic literature. It's the idea that um, they just decided to spring this wild, un untested thing on us. For what reason? Because they had to. Because they had no choice. Because the evidence was pretty overwhelming that without that, a lot of people were going to die and probably a politically untenable number of people. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode of PTO Extra, please consider becoming a £5 supporter on Patreon. As well as getting access to extended versions of regular shows, you'll also get access to all future episodes of PTO Extra. Go to patreon.com forward slash poll theory other to sign up.